0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest, a great friend all the way from Dallas, Texas. Welcome to the show, Robert Helms.
1: Hey, Victor, so good to be back. I was on one of your very early shows and just love watching this thing take hold and welcome to everybody listening.
0: Great to have you here. Robert, for those who don't know you, You've been involved in commercial real estate for much of your career. You've been a developer. You're continuing to develop right now. You're in hospitality. You've been in office. You've been in residential, all different classes. Maybe give a little bit of your backstory, how you got to this point in your journey.
1: Well, I grew up in kind of a real estate household. My dad got the real estate bug and he was an investor first and then decided to be an agent. And when they needed help, he recruited me. And I was interested, but once I got into the business, I became really fascinated by it. My very first commission check, I bought a duplex and never looked back. I've been a collector of real estate ever since. It was the early 2000s when I got the development bug, and that's because I passively invested in a deal. I was busy brokering real estate for investors primarily, small multifamily, and we did single family homes. Those were more uh, of the home listings and the like because we were in affluent areas but some of the same clients would list or sell their home with us and then buy an eightplex. And I was making money and I got a chance to put some money into a commercial project. I didn't know much about commercial at all, but it was a private placement and was exciting because they paid more than they said they would in a shorter amount of time.
0: I love your story. And over the last, I'm going to guess 24 years, you've also been on the radio host of the real estate guys radio show. When people talk about, they've been in podcasting for a while and Someone says, oh, I've been at it five years, and people go, ooh, and ah, but you've been at it 24 years. That's amazing.
1: Seems like forever. We started on traditional radio. We're still on traditional radio, so uh, you know how marketing is. We like to say, now in our 25th year of broadcast. So yeah, 24 years and counting, and that's very uh, interesting changed marketplace. When we started out, you know, radio is broadcasting, and you're reaching a wide audience, and you get people that happen to tune by more so than those that set their clock by your show. Now, though, with podcasting, people raise their hand if they're interested, and it's really narrow casting, and it's much better in so many ways. You only have people listening they are interested in what you came to talk about.
0: That is so true, and we see it as well here on, on this show. Our listeners, it's a very narrow audience. It's not the rookie audience. It's not all comers by any means It's really that, maybe that set of folks that have achieved a certain level of success in investing and probably hit the wall at a certain point. Maybe it's at 50 units, maybe it's at 30 units. Maybe they just got fannied and freddied out because they were taking the residential path into commercial and they hit the wall that way. Let's talk a little bit about some of the folks that you hang around with and what's been possible. Have you seen people get past that point?
1: It's kind of one of those milestones that happens is if you do it right, you run out of your own capital and your own ability to borrow. You know, in the U.S., we say we get Fannie and Freddie'd out because we can only get so many traditional loans, and that's kind of true. There's always ways around that. But the cash deployment's the other part. Once you see opportunity everywhere and you narrow your focus to know what makes sense for you, you find deals and pretty soon you're out of money. And now what? Well, you got two choices. You can either say, "Well, I'll uh, replenish my warehouse of cash and when I have more, I'll buy something else and I'll sit it out between now and then." Or you can decide to help other people, which is our favorite thing. We think the single best opportunity in real estate today isn't just owning property, but syndicating, putting together bigger deals. I know a lot of your listeners are those folks. They find more opportunity than they can handle, and rather than try to kid themselves, they bring along other folks. And a syndication is just assembling a team where everyone brings something different. Some people bring the money, some people bring the expertise, some people bring the relationships, sometimes people bring a property, and together, everyone achieves more.
0: What you're saying reflects certainly what we do in our business and is a reflection of real estate is not a solo sport. I suppose it could be, but like any business, it's a team sport. If you're looking to scale up, if you're looking to get escape velocity, as opposed to getting stuck in some low earth orbit that you can never escape, which is kind of what happens when you get fannied and freddied out, you really need to bring those other people along for the ride.
1: It's critical. And, you know, it is possible, I think, to be that lone wolf, you know, the guy that goes out there and flips houses and finds one on an open house on the weekend and gets enough pile of money to buy it and then do some work and spends the next five months of their life, you know, with most of their weekends spent at the construction stores and That's a way to do it. But I think for a lot of people, that grows tiring quickly. It's a great experience. You go do that for three or four houses. Now you know what it takes to hire somebody competent. The only way anybody scales is through this mechanism, building a team. And it doesn't have to be a syndication, any kind of a team, you know, watching your business grow and the variety of deals you can do. And really, in a pandemic, if you hadn't have put together such a great team, you wouldn't be able to really be in business. So I think teams are, are critical. I think another part is that we can only each be so good at so many things. So people gravitate to what they're good at and what their skill and expertise and experience has built them up towards. And that's the thing for you to focus on and find people to fill the other roles. Because really, as it becomes a bigger game, everything better is better about it. Better profit margins, fewer competition for deals. There's lots of reason to try to bump up a notch or two in your investment.
0: This past year has been transformational in so many ways. It's certainly highlighted areas of weakness. It's exposed them quickly. And I think that's been true for a lot of folks, a lot of people out there playing defense. I know for us, it's been a fantastic year of opportunity. I don't say that too loudly because it sounds arrogant. It sounds insensitive perhaps to those that are struggling and genuinely struggling. But I think we literally live in an environment right now where it's almost an all-you-can-eat buffet of opportunity. And when that happens... Then what is the constraint? You know, is it opportunity? You know, people come to me and say, "Victor, I can't find deals." Well, we don't go looking for deals; they all come to us. I'm sure you experience the same thing as well. And so, then in that environment, what is the constraint? It's almost always bringing enough capital, enough resources, and enough expertise to the table.
1: Well said. And at the same time, people are unsure with the run-up in the stock market and the roller coaster and the metals and just all the things happening. A lot of folks would be content to give the ball to someone who's out there doing it, meaning I can passively invest my dollars and let a professional fund manager or developer work on a project that's bigger than I could do on my own, better economies of scale, all professional team. You know, when you're trying to save money as you're rehabbing a a fourplex, you're going to take the low cost bidder. You're going to pick the can of paint that's $2 less a gallon. When you do a big project, you don't have to think like that you know, my development partner taught me that the best people, when you hire the absolute best at their craft, it actually doesn't cost you more. It makes you money. And I have seen that live out so many times. And I think the other interesting overlap is even though you're right, money may be the bottleneck for a lot of folks, they're just now realizing, you know, I don't have to invest in Wall Street. I don't don't have to follow my company's plan. I could find a private investment and private comes with privacy. So there's a lot of reasons for people to be looking at investing in Main Street instead of Wall Street.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, what's been your personal experience over the past year? I know that you've got assets both in the US as well as outside the US. Some have been affected clearly by the pandemic, by the the shutdown. What's been your experience? How have you managed to survive that?
1: Yeah, it's been such an interesting, you know, learning time too because back in February, you would have made different bets perhaps on industries and markets and demographics than you would make today. Now we have the hindsight of what a pandemic looks like. So I think we've seen all of the above. Most of our multifamily holdings have done pretty well. But for a long time, we have held the idea that you need a diversity of tenant base. You don't want everybody working at the same place. I only have one apartment complex where that is true. 80% of my tenants all work for the same type of industry and some for the same company. If you instead have diversity, then you'll be okay. I mean, if all your tenants worked at movie theaters and gyms and restaurants, you were in trouble for a while. As you know, we have some of that too, some of that kind of retail restaurant property in our portfolio. And that was definitely hit hard. Many though of the tenants have been able to secure government funding. And so when we thought, oh, we're going to have some big vacancy here, it was rough for a couple months, but that came around pretty well. You know, you know, we're in hospitality, which is really a tough business to be in. But knock on wood, it has been great to see that turn around pretty quickly. We discovered a bunch of great things. And I think this is a great lesson, no matter what your niche is, is that studying operations is never the sexy thing for us deal junkies. But it's a great time to do that when everything else is slow. And we have a hospitality property that was printing money in the first quarter of 2020. So much so that we were spilling it and we were sloppy and we didn't know it. We went through eight months of complete shutdown because the airport into the country was closed. And it gave us this great opportunity to pause and go back. And we cleaned house in a lot of ways in systems in personnel. And today I feel like we have the most rock solid team. Thankfully, our market is picking up and even more so our property is really picking up. So we're looking for the silver lining like everybody. We've weathered the storm in pretty much every investment. We haven't had a catastrophic loss yet, I'm happy to say, but there's definitely some properties that fared better than others. And this is the part of being a diversified investor. If all your eggs are in one basket, no matter how great that basket seems today, something like a pandemic comes along and everything changes.
0: Absolutely. Well, I think it's an interesting time to play offense as opposed to just play defense because the opportunities are out there. There's no question. And those businesses, for example, if you look at the number of restaurants that have closed, I think are restaurants going away? No. Will there be a new proportion of ghost kitchens opening up? Yes, of course there will. But the desire to go back and have a dining experience is still going to persist post pandemic. And the ones that are left standing, in my view, are going to be overrun with demand.
1: Yeah. Well, and so many businesses are like that. You know, if you can only operate well when occupancy is high in whatever kind of business you have, well, that's not really a durable business. People that have been able to figure it out through the pandemic and have lived to tell are in great shape. And as you mentioned, a lot of businesses are doing really well right now. And I think the part about playing offense is huge. This is not a time to huddle up under the blanket and wait for it all to blow over. There's less competition for deals right now. Sure, you got to, you know, be connected. And if you're not, you got to know somebody that is, but we're going to see great opportunity in the coming months and years, I think, and being positioned to take advantage of that is everything.
0: Absolutely. Now, I know you have an event coming up in Dallas, one that I've been part of many times, and I'm saddened to say that it's probably not going to be possible for me to be there, but I am such a believer, such a supporter of the secrets of successful syndication. It is one of those events And there's very few on the planet that I would endorse in this way. It's one of those events that brings together the quality of training, the caliber of people. And that's really, I want to emphasize the second, the caliber of people. And then third, the most important is a culture. It's not one of those run to the back of the room type seminars, you know, sign up for this program type seminars. It's just really, really, really high quality of people, of content, of connections, of relationship building. And I would just love for our listeners, if they're able to travel or if they're local to Dallas, to come out for the Secrets of Successful Syndication. Tell us a bit more about the event because I know, unfortunately, I probably won't be there this time, sadly, but I would love for our listeners if they can make it to be there.
1: Well, thank you for those kind words and you will be missed. You always bring uh, more than your A-game to this event. We always have you present for us and you're one of the faculty members that changes it up quite a bit, but even more so, I think where you add value and to your point, a lot of the faculty do is in the hallway conversations and in the reception and in the bar at night and just all those places where you're meeting people that are really doing the thing, whether that's passively investing in bigger deals or actively putting together funds or developments or projects that are exciting. And so the event happens twice a year, the uh, one coming up is the last weekend in in March. We call it a weekend. It's really Friday and Saturday, March 26th and 27th. It's two full days. It's a giant workbook. It's a bunch of solid education. It is not a big upsell to anything. I'm sure we'll tell you about our big investor summit and some of the other classes and things that we do. But That's not the outcome of this. It really is to foster that interaction because of the team nature we talked about before, Victor. That's not, you know, just something to say. That's really how this business gets done. You drive around, you look at anything of substance in real estate, a two or 300 unit apartment building, a big office building, a mall, a movie theater. Almost every one of those real estate investments was done through syndication, private capital coming together. And if you've never had exposure to that, this will be a great place for you to do it. We'd love, I know we've already got uh, some of your listeners coming, so excited about that. Wish you were coming, man. But uh, I know as soon as you can get back to one of our events, you'll be there.
0: Oh, absolutely. March 26th, 27th in Dallas. Are you still holding it at the same Omni Hotel near the airport?
1: No, we've actually moved the hotel because of the pandemic. The hotel we've been using up until now is is dark right now. They furloughed everybody. So we moved to a new venue. But it's super easy because it's right in the airport complex. So if you come, you want to fly into DFW, you can get there from the other airport. But it's easy just to be there and never have to rent a car or anything. You get all the details by just sending an email to syndication at realestateguysradio.com. So that's a mouthful, right? Syndication at realestateguysradio.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, for the listeners at home, definitely you want to come out to The Secrets of Successful Syndication, March 26th and 27th in Dallas. And yes, I remember now it's being held uh, right in the airport, right in the hotel in the airport. To get more information, reach out to the Real Estate Guys at syndication at realestateguysradio.com. That's syndication at realestateguysradio.com. And uh, Robert, thanks for the perspective and look forward to when we can actually shake hands and hug, hopefully in the near future.
1: Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me back. And uh, everybody enjoy out there.
0: Well, for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Robert at syndication at the realestateguysradio.com. That's syndication at realestateguysradio.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.